Happy Monday pod. I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we're the Mocha SMCs. On this podcast, we take our listeners on a journey with us as we unpack what it means to be a Black single mother by choice. So we encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, tea, perhaps wine, if it's that time of day for you, and come chat with us. So today we're talking about the decision to have a second child. Both of us have two children. So we both went through the process of thinking and then subsequently trying for a second. So in the past year, I know many people have asked us um, how we decided on a second. So I thought it'd be important to tackle this topic on the podcast. So I also wanted to open with a story because this story is like very typical my family, right? <laughs> about a week ago, my older daughter was complaining about having to go to sleep at 8 p.m. She was like, you know, she's a night owl. She would stay up all night long if I let her. Uh, and she was like, well, why do I have to do this? And I was like, well, you have school tomorrow and you're not going to get out of the bed. So like, you know, such is life. And so she said, well, I can't wait till I'm an adult because I can stay up as late as I want and then sleep in as long as I want. And of course, at this point, I burst out laughing and I was like, well, you must not plan on being mom because when's the last time like mama got to sleep in? She looked at me dead in the face and was like, well, I just won't have a second child. And while she intended to throw her sister some shade, she wasn't wrong. (laughs) And by the time I had number two, my older one had gotten to the age where, you know, she was able to sleep in. I could set out her breakfast the night before and maybe get like some extra Z's. But she's right. Her sister did actually ruin everyone's sleep. So (laughs) did you always know you wanted to? Well, first, I love that story. And (laughs) I will say I didn't start out wanting to. I thought I would be um, pretty much one and done once I had uh, my first child. Uh, But when my daughter was about four months old, I knew that I wanted a second child. I had just fallen so much in love and she was such a cuddly little easygoing um, baby. And so at that point, I bought more vials of my my donor sperm. um, And then I planned um, on weaning in anticipation of starting starting for my second after my daughter's first birthday. So I knew that I would start weaning at six months because it gives the body enough time to kind of recover and um, hormones rebalance in in preparation um, for another pregnancy. And so my desire for a second child only grew as my daughter grew. And um, I became her her chief playmate. And in my head, I knew that, yeah, I can't, I can't do this forever. And so I knew I was not just built to be a sole playmate for for a child. Like when I envisioned motherhood, I envisioned like, you know, reading the storybooks, you know, playing, playing with the dolls when the baby was bigger. Um, but I still didn't feel that our family was complete. And so I knew that I was ready to dive right back in. Yeah. So it took me, it took me like five years or I guess maybe at that time it was like four. It took me about four <laughs> years to forget how much I hated being pregnant. <laughs> I know that they say like the hormones, lots of women, like you get to the point where like your baby gets a little bit older and like you get those hormones and you're just like, Oh, I want another, like it took me a while. Cause my mm-hmm. pregnancy was so terrible. Um, but for me it was like, you know, my daughter started asking like, why does other, why do other people have siblings and I don't. And um, originally I thought I was one and done too. I was like, you know, I can only handle man to man defense or woman to woman. Right. (laughs) 
and so I didn't know if I even also could financially do it. And Mm -hmm. so it really took me waiting until my oldest was about to go to kindergarten. And I was like, okay, well, I'm about to have a a child who's out of daycare basically. And, you know, restructuring my finances around to really figure out if I could afford to do a second. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some of the things that went into your decision? Like, what are some of the things that you would tell women who were sort of in the thinking phase about, having a second one. So, so I'm glad you asked that question because I'm really big on, on planning and having real honest heart to heart conversations with myself. And so when I was considering having a second baby, I actually had to sit down and see if I could afford two in daycare, right? Because that's a big chunk of the reality. Once the baby is here, you're going to have to be able to, to cover all of your other expenses on top of that, you add daycare. And daycare is pretty expensive in my part of the country. Um, And so I had that heart to heart. I looked at my budget. I looked to see what I could move around. Um, I had intentionally, when I moved to the area, I had intentionally stayed flexible in my living situation. So my first apartment was roughly like 25, 2600 a month. And then I made a second move when I started trying initially um, for the second baby. And that had dropped my uh, monthly rent to about 1800. And then once I got deep into the um, process of trying, I had to make another move that dropped my rent to 1600. So for me, it was a balancing act to free up funds in order to be able to continue um, trying and also to make the realities of daycare for for um, two a possibility. So for me, finances was really a deciding factor. So when I... Um when my daughter, my older daughter was four, we were living in what I call a tiny house, <laughs> very small. Um, it worked really well for us. You know, it had two bedrooms, um, or I guess I really should say 1.5 bedrooms because the second uh-huh. bedroom, my daughter's bedroom was more of like the size of a walk-in closet. And mm-hmm. so I went through like, could I legitimately fit two beds in this room? Mm-hmm. And I, it was not possible to do that without causing some kind of fire hazard situation because there was just <laughs> no way to fit like a crib and also even a toddler bed in there. Um, so r- really for me, I had to also, you know, I had to crunch the numbers to think about daycare because um, I was also living in a very expensive childcare part of the country at that time. And, you know, um, and also I was like, I, I have to find a larger house. Because right. there's, I just, and my room wasn't even big enough to fit a crib in my room with my bed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also had to do some soul searching on just like my own personal parental limitations. And um, with my older daughter, you know, while my parents were a part of my community, they didn't always live with us, right? So there were mm-hmm. times where, you know, they would fly back to a different state and we'd be by ourselves. And it was hard enough kind of figuring out what I would do if I was somehow incapacitated, you know, uh, just with one, but then I had to like, think about like, can I really handle two by myself? Um, you know, and, and, and sit with the idea of like zone defense instead of woman on woman (laughs) or woman on kid, Uh uh, which Uh is, 
which is different. You know, it's like, you know, you, you get your kids ganging up on you. It happens to me all the time now. But um, before I went and, and started going, actually going through having um, or trying for baby number two, I actually had a talk with my village <laughs> because I knew yeah. that I was going to have to rely on them more. And when I decided to upgrade to a larger house, I also made the decision to upgrade to a large enough house that I could, you know, afford to have, um, or I could have a separate apartment or a, you know, an in-law area for, for my parents so that, you know, I had adults around that were closer and, um, luckily they, they agreed. And I think, you know, after having one understood what that actually meant, uh, which, which is good, but, you know, I know for me, that was super important because I just knew that there were things in my life, you know, with work and all that other stuff that I just wasn't going to be able to do too, unless I had, uh, more regular help. And it also helped with childcare too, right? Like I'm thinking, okay, I'm spending more on the house, but I have more help with childcare. So, uh, it allowed me the option to, to try for two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Having that village is, is so important. Um, for me, my village did not play a role necessarily in my day-to-day um, life because I don't have a lot of family um, around me. I've got a couple of siblings, but because I was traveling to try for my second to a different state um, for a fertility clinic, I had to rely on my entire village to make sure that my my um, big girl got picked up for daycare, um, that I had um, backup arrangements in case I could not make it back in time. So village was definitely a huge part of my success story. So let's talk about age for a second. Um, you know, there's, we've, we've noticed in our community, um, you know, per, particularly the black SMC community that our age ranges span from like, you know, early twenties, even up through forties. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know for me, when I, when I had my older daughter, I was in my early thirties still. Right. So I wasn't as focused on, you know, f- fertility challenges that might occur because of age. But then when I had my second, I was in my late thirties. And, um, even though, you know, for many women, it's easy to get pregnant in your late thirties, it is, you know, your fertility situation can change a lot in five years. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, Aisha, how for you, like did sort of age factor into the equation with like, you know, how easy it was for number one, um, or hard for number two and whatnot. So I think um, anyone who who knows my story, you know what I'm about to get into, and I am going to get up until a certain point and then pause the conversation because now we will um, straddle into my daughter's story. Um, So I will say when I uh, tried for my first, I was 37 um, and I delivered at 38 and I had no problem. It was easy peasy. Um, But for my second pregnancy, I also assumed that it was going to be easy peasy. I was 39 at the time. I was healthy. I had good egg reserves. I had like, you know, two point um, something. So anytime a fertility doctor saw those numbers, they were like, oh yeah, great. This should be a walk in the park. I tried my first IUI. It did not take. I tried my second IUI. 
Iowa, it did not take. And then, you know, it began to kind of spiral out once I started adding additional intervention. What I didn't know at the time was that I was encountering and experiencing secondary infertility, which could happen for you know, random reasons, um, a variety of reasons, but I was in the 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 cascade waterfall of a secondary secondary infertility, and so I say all that because I want to put out a PSA because you will hear a lot of stars and a lot of people make the misconsumption that misassumption that yeah you can get pregnant into your 40s, mid 40s, even 50s, and while those unicorns do exist, and I I, I chuckle because there are quite a few unicorns in our um, Black SMC community. But it is fairly rare for a woman to get pregnant after 42, 43 using her own eggs um, without a lot of hardship. And I had reached the point where I had experienced um, hardship using my own eggs and at the time my own embryos. And so I made the decision to um, stop the pain and the hurt and I moved to donor egg. And it was easy for me to move to donor egg for my second pregnancy because I had already known women who had done it. Um, and I had seen that this is doable. This is, you know, a part of life. It doesn't really impact anything from the point of I got this little tiny pinprick piece of DNA combined with another pinprick piece of DNA and popped it into the uterus. And so for me, that was the the, the answer for me being able to continue um, on with my family building. Um, so, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> sharing that. I think it's super important, um, you know, for women to be brave and share their fertility um, journey like that. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, yeah, people are like, oh yeah, like these celebrities are popping out babies at 52. And it's like, oh no, honey, they had special help, right? Like, no, and it's and it's so heartbreaking to be in those spaces where a woman will keep trying and trying and go from, you know, 42 into 47. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine the pain and the hurt when you hear a pregnancy announcement after pregnancy announcement, just hoping for your one chance. And it's just like, but if we could only expand our minds to think, you know, beyond, but I, and I think it helps to know someone who has done this and lived to tell the story and like, you know, past having that embryo transferred, I never thought about it again, but I knew that if we were going to do this podcast series and use this as a platform to tell true and honest stories, that I would I would be remiss if I didn't tell that part of my story. Yeah, it's so important. Um, I I will say for me, like it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't experience the challenges that many women have um, conceiving as they get older. But I think for me, it was more of a challenge in pregnancy when I was older. I didn't expect it to have such an impact on my body. I mean, I think, you know, I thought pregnancy at 32 was hard, but in my late thirties, it was much harder because my body was just not, you know, it was just not a spring chicken anymore. Right. And so I was like, this is, this is painful. Um, I will also say I cringe, like we see this in, you know, the larger SMC community and also in the black SMC community where, you know, in, in social media, women will get on there and they'll be like, you know, who's 42, 43 and like got pregnant on IUI the first time. And I, and I hate seeing that because I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's like asking like, okay, which one of you won the lottery the first time you played? Right. right. You feeling um, lucky? 
<laughs> yeah. And so like, it doesn't, there's so many factors that go into, you know, how successful or how fast it, and, you know, and, and you could be 43 and it doesn't work the first time. And it has nothing to do with fertility, right? It's just like, you didn't get lucky that month. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, I just, I hate when folks ask that question, cause I think it sort of sets people's expectations in a place that is, um, unnecessarily hurtful because it's not realistic. I mean, there's always right. going to be people who win the lottery, right? <laughs> but you should not yeah. quit your job expecting to right. win the lottery the first time you play. Right. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about jealousy. How do you deal with jealousy in your house, Aisha? So in my house, I would say we just started getting into to jealousy and it's a comment here or it's a comment there. So it's not um, uh, an ongoing recurrent thing that we deal with. But my, my oldest daughter has said a few times, like, why does the, why does the baby get so much attention? So it is usually jealousy from the big girl on to cast onto the, the baby. And I have to just keep explaining to her that, you know, I can't reason with the baby. Like she, she, she doesn't understand when I'm like, you know, let's negotiate this. Like, you know, let's figure out a solution. She doesn't get that. Whereas my six-year-old does. And so, but what I started doing to kind of balance the equation is pointing out the big and the fun things that my big girl can do that the baby can't. And so since we're in this whole pandemic schooling situation and I have my big girl home with me on Fridays, what I do is we do donut Fridays, right? And so she gets to kind of randomly pick, you know, donuts from the donut shop and she gets to have her donut. She gets to have, you know, her special time with mom. You know, I do more snuggles at night and, you know, just kind of like just, just hugging and snuggling on her and carrying her sometimes so that she feels like, you know, the baby. And so, yeah, so that's how I handle that. But by, by and large, we don't have a whole lot of the major um, jealousy issues that um, some people might experience. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I definitely experience it more from the big sis. And I think it's because she just, you know, she had me by herself for five years. Right. So she's all like, who is this person? And uh, her and I always joke about how my older daughter is like the princess, you know, she's very princessy. Uh-huh. And her little sister is like the villain in her princess movie. We love Aww. the villain. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, she's just two, <laughs> right? And like two-year-olds uh-huh. are dangerous. And so yeah. um, I think, you know, sometimes sh- the two-year-old does require more of my energy a large part of the day because she's always trying to go around trying to kill herself, right? And like, I have to pay attention <laughs> to her, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have... I have tried similar things to you, like just trying to carve out some time, like some special time with me and the big, the big girl. Sometimes it's like, you know, at nighttime she has reading for school. And so she'll read to me in bed Mm -hmm. uh, after the baby's asleep. And tomorrow we are actually going skiing. We are leaving the toddler terrace at home and the Uh two of us are going to head up to the mountain for a mommy daughter day. Um, Very cute. That's rare, especially during the pandemic, because, you know, childcare is at a premium, (laughs) even with family. Um, But yeah, I think it's super important, you know, when you, when you're thinking about number two is like, just being aware that no matter how old your kid is, like, you know, I was, I was a little taken aback at how, uh, 
like the diva moments my older child had because I was like, uh-huh. man, you're five. Like, and then I'm just like, you're seven girl. Like what's going on with you? And she's having uh-huh. a hold on, like she gets this. And, blah, blah, blah. and so I had to kind of like, I have to remind myself like, okay, she's seven, but she's also just seven. Right. 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 And keeping, yeah, kind of keeping in perspective where they are developmentally. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and recognizing that like, it's a big deal, right? Because I think another thing that is, um, I guess, important to recognize is that you are only one person. You only have two arms, right? Mm-hmm. And so you are going to have limitations. And you and and zone defense. There's nothing to you know to knock. Like it is hard because you got to make sure. Okay, this one over here is handled, and now I got to go do this and make sure this one doesn't throw food at the wall. Like I mean, it can uh-huh. be it can be a challenge. The baby is not throwing the tablet in the toilet. Exactly. Like, speaking of that, let's, let's talk logistics. Like, (laughs) you know, how do you deal with, for example, like morning routine? Like, how does that work with two? My, my, uh, look, I can't even get the word that it's traumatic every morning, every morning it is, you know, trying to get the kids up. So one of the things we do, we, we do our, our bathing at night. And so mornings are just kind of like really scaled back, wash your face, brush your teeth, get dressed. That takes us probably an hour and a half. Like before normal, when I was single, like my entire morning was like roll out of bed, get dressed quickly. But now I have a full day's worth of um, emotions and energy expended before I even start my workday. Um, so we pretty much, I get the baby um, up and ready. Um, you know, we snuggle, she eats, she drinks, um, diaper change, brush teeth and all of that. But, you know, to get out of the house on time, it it is like, you know, uh, an, an orchestrated, you know, dance routine, you know, trying to, to get out the house without tears and like, get out, let's go out of here. And it's just like, roll out. And so I'm like, if we had neighbors, like I'm one of those people, like I'm definitely not as organized as Aisha. I feel like you're definitely more organized than I am, but I hate, Uh right. Like, so like, I, I hate having to just not really even being able to predict how long it's going to take you. Right. Like that's the, I think one of the biggest challenges for me, because when you have one and your one gets to the point where she's like, you know, peeing on her own and not like crapping a diaper. Right. Uh I'll be all ready. And like, everything's ready. We've got bottles, we've got the bag. And then all of a sudden, like, the little one craps her pants as we're walking out the door. And I'm like, seriously, you couldn't have done this like five minutes ago. Um, and it makes travel crazy. So I will tell you, Hera, the only reason I get out of the house on time, there are two things that motivate me to get out of the house and get the troops on the go. One is that I don't want to have to feed my baby like a real meal. Like I will give her pieces of cheese. I give her a piece of toast just to kind of settle her tummy for the car ride. But it's just like, yeah, a full on breakfast routine. I don't want to do that Monday through Friday. And then also I have to send her to school with a clean diaper. And I know approximately when she poops. And if we stay home too long, she's going to poop that new diaper. So I'm like, I don't want to change that. So I make sure that we get out the house before her time to poop so that daycare can change the diaper. (laughs) 
my toddler is a terrorist and I swear she just like saves it for like the worst time. She's like, oh, we're going for a walk. I'm going to wait till we're far enough away from the house to embarrass the crap out of you. Uh, I, I mean, we're going to have a whole episode on travel, but I think that another thing that was really hard for me is that my younger daughter, my older daughter, she is a travel trooper, right? Like she will Mm -hmm. take out her iPad, put on her headset on the plane and be like, you know, I'll see you in six hours. Right. The little one is crazy. It's like, as soon as the plane takes off this, like, you know, crazy person takes over and she's like, you know, we have to like give her an exorcism in the sky because she can't handle it. And, and so it's hard because we really had to kind of adjust and try to figure out how to how to calm the beast in order to like do regular things as a family like okay we got to get in the car now like are you going to be okay like uh-huh. Uh-huh. Her, you know um. <laughs> so i will say that's one of the things you know this pandemic is both a blessing and a curse right i will say that because of the timing of the pandemic and where my the baby is developmentally i haven't yet had to fight the restaurants and taking the two-year-old unruly, um, you know, 18-month-old to a restaurant. And I'm hoping that we we miss that, that hellish travel phase where I know if we were not in a pandemic, I would have wanted to take a vacation and then I would have had to deal with, you know, what happens when your 18-month-old wants to run up and down the airplane, you know, so hopefully I get to avoid all of that and she gets to the point of reason before we take our first um plane vacation <laughs> like i have two more years to negotiate before we get to that point oh no um, all right so like let's talk about transitions like i know that the the transition from like no kids to one kid can be pretty tough right there's some things that we all miss like you know peeing alone and like drinking sleep. while it's hot <laughs> sleep mm-hmm. um, which transition was for you? Was it zero to one or one to two and why? Uh, one to two was definitely the harder transition for me. And I think because of the age, at the time that I was trying and pregnant, my big girl was four and five. Um, and, and then, so you get used to sleeping, you get used to, um, you know, them being able to feed themselves, go to the bathroom. So when I went from one to two, what almost immediately expanded exponentially was the amount of stuff that comes with a new baby and the amount of stuff that was then in the house. And then laundry. Like right now, I'm sitting here looking at a beeline of, you know, probably two loads of laundry that are washed but need to be folded. And at some point, you just run out of space because they just require so much stuff and so much clothes and who needs pajamas and all the little socks. I'm just yeah, that was the 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 pain points of my transition. So definitely from one to two was harder. How about you? Yeah, so for me, it's not the laundries, it's the dishes. Like the dishes drive me crazy. It's like, I'll do the dishes and then it's like algae on a fish tank. Like five minutes later, I'm like, what? Where did all those dishes come from? <laughs> um, but I, I think that one of the things I didn't anticipate that made it harder in the beginning was like when I had my daughter, I could sort of be pregnant in peace. I mean, there wasn't much peace about my pregnancy, but like, you know, I didn't have like another human that needed me, right? Other than the one that I was trying to grow. And so when I was pregnant with my second one, Mm -hmm. I feel like immediately it hit me how much harder this was going to be because 
Um, I'll give you an example through a story. So this one afternoon in August, I was very pregnant with number two and mm-hmm. I was not practicing self-care because there were things that needed to be done around the house. And I was literally in a tree cutting down branches, trying to prune my tree. Um, and then decided that it was a good idea, forgot to drink water, by the way, and decided uh-huh. it was a good idea to take my then five-year-old, no, four-year-old to the fair because she was like, you know, I've been sitting around the house while you do all these things and I want to go to the fair. (laughs) I walked a mile to the fair. Well, I waddled really because I was that pregnant Mm -hmm. in the weather. And I was standing up watching my older daughter on a ride and just like suddenly blacked out. Like, wow. And my head hit the pavement. I was, when I woke up, I was bleeding profusely from my head. Oh, no. Luckily, my parents were close enough by that they could come get me and my daughter. And I uh-huh. knew people in the community, like, some people recognized me from the gym and they were like, you know, but I mean, you know, I have like these firefighters hovering over me and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Where am I? And uh-huh. so, it was terrifying. It was terrifying for me. It was terrifying for my older daughter. And it was kind of the yeah. moment I was like, wait a second, like, this is not going to be as easy as it was before, because now I'm worried about the baby, right? Because I don't know if I fell on my stomach, like, I don't know what's going on, right? And I'm right. also worried about my four year old who now thinks her mother is dying, right? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, luckily, I just had a bad concussion, right? The baby was fine. Um, but it was it was one of those I think for me, it was like, it was like the beginning of chaos in my household and, and good chaos at times, right? Like I love my uh-huh. kids, but it was really just like humbling because with, with one, I felt like super mom. I was like, you know, this is great. I have my baby and we're going like to, you know, on all these trips and like, uh-huh. and I didn't realize how much harder it was going to be when all of a sudden I had two humans that needed me all the time. Right. Um, so yes, one to two was, was for sure was harder for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so scary. I'm glad everything (laughs) is okay. It was not my finest moment. All right. So before we let everyone go on their Monday or whenever you're listening to this podcast, um, what is, what is one bit of advice you would give an SMC who's kind of like thinking about the second and not sure they want to go there? Like what's something that you think would be like, or really like for the pregnant SMC who's pregnant with number two, like what, what's your advice for them? Okay. So, um, I thought long and hard about this, this one, and I really wanted to, to say something that would add value. So I would say, Pray for a short journey, but save for a long one. Um, And then in those savings, put aside an extra stash of money for a Hail Mary pass, just in case you get to the end of the line and you're just like, I'm just going to, you know, throw everything um, and the kitchen sink at this. This is my last try. It's my last gasp of breath, you know, and, and so save for that particular rainy and stormy day. Um, For me, it was considering donor eggs. And so I had to make sure that uh, donor egg was still in reach for me. I didn't have to have all of the money, but I needed it to be in reach. I needed to be like 75% there. How about you? Yeah, I think, 
I think I would just encourage moms and this is really like whether or not you have one or more than one, like give yourself some grace, understand that you're only one person. And, you know, as you're thinking about this, like really just uh, have a come to Jesus with your community and make sure that you have people around you so that if, and when something occurs, um, you know, be it your car breaks down and you're on the way to get number two kid and number one is on the opposite side of the city. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just make sure that you have the discussion with your community, because I think that, you know, after one, oftentimes we do feel like super mom and we are super mom, right? Even with more than one, but uh, you are only one person and uh, have your limitations. So just kind of have your plan in place about childcare, emergency plan, um, you know, and, and also just kind of make sure that you're taking a beat and that you don't fall on concrete and split your head open because nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of Mocha SMC podcast. If you like what you heard, please share us on your social media, tell your grandma, your mama, your friends, your coworkers, the dudes in your life, you know, because sometimes they need to learn about this stuff too. And join us next time as we continue to discuss this often hilarious journey of being an SMC. And you can find us on Facebook at Mocha SMC Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Mocha SMC. You can find us on our website at www.mochasmc.com. Until next time. We are the Mocha SMC. Bye now.